what makes someone not Jewish? (laughs) Well, I feel like it's actually easier to say what makes someone Jewish. And then if none of these apply to you, then you wouldn't be Jewish. So if you have a Jewish parent, if you became Jewish at some point through a process of conversion, you are Jewish. If neither of those categories apply to you, then I would not consider you to be a Jewish person. Okay, so what kind of thing is that then? Because I think that a lot of non-Jewish people, but also maybe like a healthy proportion of Jewish people in like Western secular diverse societies or even just communities put Jewishness in the religion category. Yeah. And I don't know if that category is even native to being Jewish. Well, in every generation of Americans, less and less Jews identify as religiously Jewish and just identify as Jewish. If you look at um, like a bar and the left side is like on the Pew report, you mm-hmm. know, the left side is I'm religious, religiously Jewish. Mm-hmm. I'm just Jewish. The line keeps moving to the left in every generation. Mm-hmm. Like in our generation, millennials, it was like half and half. Mm-hmm. Now it's way less than that. Um, so for Jews themselves, they don't, there, there's both. There's Jews that see Jewish identity as a religious thing. So if they grew up, you know, observing Jewish holidays and um, keeping Shabbat or having some sort of Jewish connection, whether it's just one Passover Seder a year, then to them that's Jewishness. But there's a whole other demographic of Jews that sees it more as just an identity thing. Like they're Jewish because their parents were Jewish. I've seen people identify as Jewish because they have some Jewish ancestry. Um, and so I guess the question is, who are you asking? Uh-huh. Can you, th- can you think of any more categories in which people, like, let's just like, let's go over it again. Like there's religious Jewish identity. Mm-hmm. There's like family Jewish identity. There's more distant ancestral Jewish identity. Um, Maybe there's community-based Jewish identity. Right. Yeah, there's community-based, like somehow you're tied into Jewish community, even if you're not Jewish, and maybe that's because you're partnered with a Jewish person Mm -hmm. or your friend group is Jewish. There's cultural Jewish identity where people feel like they just act and talk and their interests and their aesthetics like match Jewish culture. And Mm -hmm. so they feel an affinity for Jewish culture and have and identify with it in a way. Although my sense is they don't identify as Jewish. Maybe they'll say something like I have a Jewish neshama, like Mm -hmm. I have a Jewish soul, (laughs) you know? Um, But that's still, that's still different to me, you know, Mm -hmm. than like saying I am a Jewish person. Uh, I, th- I can think of one more that might be a little spicy to talk about, but okay. what about 
to me, to me, it feels like a lot of Jewish identity for a lot of people is bound up in certain political identities and aspirations. I'm thinking of the, the, the word Zionism. Okay. And, and, and the way in which a lot of people these days, um, equate that with Jewishness or require Uh, it for Jewishness or do the opposite. I see. Right. I mean, I think equating them comes from the outside. Like even if you are the most hardcore Zionist, you, well, I guess there might be someone who would say this, but Hmm. I have never met anyone that says, because you're not a Zionist, you're not a Jewish person from inside the Jewish community. Uh Like they might say you're a heretic, but you're Uh still Jewish. Um, but definitely outside looking in people equate Zionism with Judaism. And that's been the case before there was even a state of Israel, Mm -hmm. like Jews in the diaspora for the last 2000 years have been questioned for their allegiance to the nation that Mm. they lived in Mm. because the liturgy yearns for Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing new there. The difference is the difference now is that there's actually a state that Jewish organizations lobby for, you know, and actually impact the politics in America to support. This is the, the, you referred to kind of an old longstanding. Um, I don't know if it's like unique to Jewish history, but like the, the, the trope of dual loyalty yeah. as like an anti-Semitic canard or, or attack that, that people have used throughout history, throughout the diaspora history, right? Like since Jews have lived in other people's countries, that sort of brings to mind just the whole concept of antisemitism, which I use the word online in my, in my little internet world where I get to decide what words to use for things. Mm -hmm. I use the word Judeophobia rather than antisemitism. Why is that? Because I want to, I want, first of all, I want something that's unambiguously specific to Jewishness, right? Instead of like all these weird things people say about who Semites are and stuff. Mm. Um, but also, um, you know, I, I, I want it defined in terms of who, uh, in terms of like the identity that we recognize as Jewish, Jewishness. Right. Whereas like anti-Semitism, I know there's this whole thing about like whether it's a linguistic definition or a cultural definition or whatever genetic definition. But to me, that that term has a sort of pre-Jewish connotation or like doesn't refers only to specific people from specific places. It raises all those weird like race, science, like Middle East things. Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas like Judeophobia means fear of Jews wherever they are, whoever they are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I don't love the way that that has dominated like the humongous eruption of like Jewishness into the public discourse these days. But like, how can you get away from the idea that there's like a definition of Jewishness? That's like whoever the Judeophobes identify as Jews and hate. Like how, how important do you think discrimination is to an understanding of Jewishness? Well, I was just thinking about the fact that, especially in the current climate, um, 
when people think about Jews in America, they're thinking also about whiteness. Yeah. Which anti-Semitism, you would think the word anti-Semitism would make you question that because when you think of a Semite, you think of someone, you know, who ori- originates from the Middle East. Yes. But to answer your question, anti-Semitism is essential to the story and you could even argue the survival of the Jewish people Mm -hmm. until today. And I mean, I see in real time that as rates of anti-Semitism grow, actually a Jewish identity and affiliation grows as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Because, well, I think there's a lot of reasons why that is, but people are tribal by nature. And when they feel threatened, they want to, you know, go back into the confines of their tribe. So it's kind of this ironic thing. It's like, actually, the more free and safe the Jewish community is, the higher the rates of assimilation and la- and loss of Jewish identity in generations to come. And the more anti-Semitism there is, the more pressure from the outside and... Um, alienation of Jews from the surrounding culture, the stronger their Jewish identity is and the stronger it is passed down through generations. Let's talk about the word assimilation, which is, which I don't think you can get around in this society in American Jewish society. Um, but has, has obviously been a f- thing for, the 2000 years and has looked different in different Jewish communities all over the place. What does that mean to you? And what is the process of assimilation? How does it happen? Is it, is it bad? Is it good? Mm-hmm. What do you, what, 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 is, what role does assimilation play in Jewishness for you? Well, assimilation is not good for Judaism. Mm-hmm. And I, as a rabbi am, a Judaism is in my care, you know, mm-hmm. that's, that's part of what I do. And also there's other values that I hold beyond. And in addition to the survival of Judaism, like health and wellness for the people around me. And of course there's values within Judaism that come into conflict when we're talking about assimilation, because there's a value to keep Shabbat and teach Jewish mitzvot you know, practices of um, care and following laws to the next generation. And there's also the practice to see everyone B'Tselem Elohim in the image of God, to welcome in the stranger. So there's not, I don't have like assimilation is bad, assimilation is okay, assimilation is a good answer. But what it is basically is a loss of Jewish identity and affiliation through the gener- through the generations. And it happens by, you know, most glaringly by people partnering, Jewish people partnering with non-Jews and not raising their kids Jewish. And through most of American Jewish history, um, you know, interfaith marriages have been frowned upon. Now that's shifting in some denominations. Um, We're seeing it kind of like go move through the denomination's acceptance of intermarriage. And instead of saying, well, you know, they intermarried, like now their kids are lost Mm -hmm. to create 
new approaches and new ways of engaging folks that are, are in intermarriages that want to raise their kids with the Jewish identity. And Judaism has to shift and change in order to support and be welcoming to those families. Mm. So you are the founder of a community in a particular place. And one of your recruitment strategies, like like one of your outreach strategies, I I would rather put it that way, is uh, to people who are not affiliated, right? Is that fair to say? Who don't currently have an affiliation with a Jewish entity of some kind here. Yeah, and part of that is I'm not trying to compete with other synagogues that have members, you know? Like, if there's people that have found a place a Jewish community that is meaningful for them and works for them, then like, why would I go, you know, try to recruit those people to be in my community? So it makes sense for me to be looking like who, who has not found a home, who is not affiliated with a synagogue. Affiliated can also refer to an organization. Like you could, someone could be affiliated with Jewish life and they go to the JCC, the Jewish community center, Mm -hmm. or they, maybe they go to, 18 Doors, um, formerly Interfaith Families for programming. And they, so they have a sense of affiliation with those organizations. So I definitely do target folks that are connected to a Jewish community in some way, but haven't found a spiritual home specifically. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Target is not the right word. No. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that, that's okay. I do, I do try to draw in and welcome and nourish people that are still seeking. Yeah. What does that process here for you, for my load, have to do with assimilation in like broader American society? And, and, and particularly as it relates to that sense you have that like competing with existing communities that have spiritual homes for people is not important like, or is not, is not desirable even like as long as somebody has a spiritual home, right. It seems like, it seems like that's good. That's what you want. And what you're trying to do is provide one for people who don't. Yeah. Yes. And also Ma'alot, the name of my organization is definitely offering something different than what you would find in a typical synagogue, even in a progressive one. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people that want to do both because most of our holidays we do outside. We go to parks, we go on hikes. Um, Our prayer is very musical and usually has instrumentation that's lay led. So like those kind of experiences that are more nature focused or, you know, co-created music focused where people can come in, um, practice playing their guitar with a band or improvise, you know, vocally for the first time in front of people. Those are different kinds of Jewish experiences that are, that are very traditional. Our ancestors have been playing around and improvised musical prayer since Torah times and same with venturing out into nature to find God and spirituality and revelation and so they're very traditional, but that's not what has evolved 
those pieces haven't been integrated into the evolution of synagogue life mm. over the years. And so a lot of Jews today look around and they're like, oh, this is Judaism. Like what happens when I go to a synagogue on Saturday morning? Like that's what Judaism is. Mm. But actually that's just one way that Jews have, you know, over the centuries um, sustained Jewish community and it's been very effective and worked really well for many, many years in the diaspora and it is now not working as well. Mm. So one of the great gifts of being in a tradition that's so ancient is that there's just so many centuries of practice to look through and draw from when kind of quote unquote, like reinventing some kind of Jewish way of being, it's really just taking something much older and bringing it back to life. Mm. I feel like the question is still unanswered though, for me in within this conversation, what makes those gatherings Jewish gatherings to you? I think you could argue that any gathering of Jews is a Jewish gathering. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they're doing something Jewish. Like I've never gone to something where a bunch of Jews were there that didn't feel Jewish to me. Even like a comedy Even show. Even a comedy written, show. Yeah, right. right. It's yeah. like the jokes are, you know, Hamish in some way. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a piece of it. For Ma'alot programming, there's a different bar though. Mm-hmm. Like the bar is that it needs to be rooted in traditional text and teachings, practice. Um, and because I have studied it for, you know, for five years in rabbinical school, but also learned a lot from other places I've been and other organizations that I've been a part of like Wilderness Torah. Um, I know the sources that these different practices or, you know, twists, quote unquote twists, Cause of course, like we're just twisting what we've been receive what what we've been handed today but we're not twisting judaism because judaism is actually much vaster than what Mm. just our parents practiced in the generation before right judaism contains every generation since mount sinai so having access to those different practices and learning about them that's actually what i bring a value as a rabbi to this community is I can say like, you know, I can authenticate, like we're not just making this up, you know, climbing up to the top of Arabia mountain to watch the sunset on the old year for Rosh Hashanah may seem like a totally novel way of celebrating Judaism, but actually has a lot of ties in our stories in in our practices in, you know, the Hasids venturing out into the field to, bring in Shabbat to Yom Kippur being called Shabbat HaShabbatot, like the Shabbats of every Shabbat. So that means the high holidays is connected to Shabbat in the spiritual way. So like making those ties in opens up new possibilities that like weave everything together. Thanks for being on Tiger Time, honey. (laughs) My pleasure. Thanks for having me.